0: Welcome to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We're here to get you from where you are today to being a DevOps master by helping you cut the learning curve down into manageable pieces. So without any further delay, let's get going. Now, where did I put that machete? Hello and welcome to another DevOpsMastery.com podcast. This is your host, Brian Wagner. My co-host is missing an action this week and will probably be missing an action next week too. Um, Jason DiDonato is off, you know, starting a new job and vacation and all those, those weird things that, that I guess normal people do. But anyways, this week's episode is all about revision control chain or, er, revision control, source code management, uh, however you want to determine what you call revision control systems, basically a way to track your changes in your code, those types of systems. And we're going to talk about those different systems. But before we do, I wanted to remind you, we really don't get paid for doing this. We're just doing this for the fun of it at this point. So uh, we live on your feedback. So you can give us your feedback at feedback at DevOpsMastery.com if you want to send us an email. If you want to follow us on Twitter, please do so. You can do that at Twitter.com slash devopsmaster. And if you're not so much into the Twitter, but really into the Google plus, you can always find us at plus.google.com slash plus DevOps mastery page. We uh, tend to put pretty much cross link all of the posts that we put on all three. Or, well, not email, obviously, but we we do it on both the Twitters and the Facebook and the Google plus. So you can keep track of us there. See what we're up to. See when new stuff comes out, all that good stuff. Um, and of course, there's also a contact me page on the website. If you. Just want to stay totally anonymous and do it that way. All right, enough of me rambling. Let's get on with the show. Okay, sort of. Before we begin, I really want to talk about this topic in some pretty abstract ways. Before I recorded, or before I wrote the the article and before I recorded the podcast, I had several discussions with several people that I really respect. Um, The Arrested DevOps guys gave me some feedback. Um, Some of my friends gave me some feedback. And I realized in the process of getting the feedback, not that they really gave it to me, but I had forgotten how passionate people were about this subject and these tools. And so not wanting to get hung up on the tools and instead get people to think about the process, I'm going to stay away from mentioning specific tools except where examples are needed to show you what I mean. So remember that really what you use to manage your tools is less important than that you manage the tool. That than that you manage your code. What you what you use to manage it is less important than that you manage it. You need to manage your code and what I mean by that is you need to have a version tracking. So you know what version you're on. You need the ability to roll back the changes that you make in the code and you need the ability to compare two versions of the code that is in question so that when a developer tells an ops person, I only made one line of change. The ops person can go to the revision control system and say, darn it. He's right. There's his one line of change and you can move on. And, um, and, and maybe you go take that out. Who knows? But it gives you a way to to let other people see what's going on, what changes are there, and what changes have been made. And it's really important whether you're the one writing the code or you're the one writing the writing the code for the application, I mean, or you're the one writing the code for the infrastructure, it's important that everybody be able to look at what everybody else is doing. Now, will they understand it? Maybe, maybe not, but at least they can look at it and start asking questions. And when we start asking questions, that gets us talking. And when we start talking, we start understanding. And when we start understanding, we build the big, happy DevOps family that we all want all of our environments to be. And that's where we really should be trying to go to. Now, once again, before I move on, remember, wasting time arguing the merits of any version control system is just that, a waste of time talk through the issues, talk through what some of your pros and cons are, what you feel strongly about, what you think is missing or not missing, or so awesome about your favorite tool. But remember, try to keep it civil and just don't take it personally. This is just a tool. It's not worth getting upset about. So let's get on with the show and uh, and talking about these tools. This tool set has been the domain of developers in most organizations since the dawn of computing, since the very first revision control systems, which were, well, the first one I know of was um, RCS, which predates CVS, which I then moved to Subversion and then moved to ClearCase. Well, I kind of used Subversion and ClearCase at the same time. And then I moved on to get, and that's where I find myself in my happy place now. But that's not to say that you can't find a happy place in ProForce or Clearcase, if that's what you really like, or Mercurial. Mercurial is also very nice. All these tools are really great. They have their pros and cons, and you need to look through them and, and see what they are. But even Get, even the one I like, has some, some learning curve to it. It can be difficult for people. And at the same time, it can be really easy. There are some things that... Um, especially if you're using binary files, you want to pay close attention to and make sure that the tool isn't going to blow up on you or the, the repositories themselves aren't going to get too large just because you're using binary tools. And there's generally ways around that for all the tools. You just need to understand what those are. So the tools come in generally one of two flavors. The first is a centrally managed system. Some examples of this would be the older systems, um, R- RCS, Subversion, CVS, Those were all centrally managed on a server. You had to have access to the server to be able to check in your changes, to make changes, to commit changes, to merge changes, all of that needs to have access to that central server. The second is a distributed system, which allows everyone to have a copy locally, and you don't need to be connected to the server to be able to do your work. So you can do check-ins, check-outs, all that stuff on a distributed system, all on your local machine. For instance, while I'm on a flight between Cleveland and Dallas, like I was the other week. Um, I can test all of my changes locally on my local test environment, and then I can check them into my revision control system. I won't lose those changes. I can go on and make new changes, like tackle a new bug or um, try some new configuration in the infrastructure if that's what I need to do. And I can more or less do that completely independently without anybody else ever knowing that I did it. Some of the benefits to that are you can go off and take some real wild tangents and try something. And then if it doesn't work, you just don't check that into the main repository. You can just delete it, remove it. Most of them will, I think all of them will, will let you delete stuff that you were working on as long as it hasn't got some part of the history there. And even then, you can probably still pull it out. So when you, uh, when you sit down and you want to decide what should you be looking at, in most companies, a company will have some experience with a tool set in most situations. Uh, some of those tool sets may be very old. And you may want to look at upgrading them or not upgrading necessarily, but migrating to a newer version or a newer system completely. If you're on a centrally managed system, I highly recommend you look at any of the distributed choices and, and choose a distributed system because I think you'll find it to be much more efficient and effective for everybody. Um, it's really going to sound like a cop out when I say that I can't pick one, but the best place to start when you are looking for your company is to start with the one that that the majority of people are using and see if they like it. Sometimes they will, sometimes they'll hate it. So start there and then start asking the following questions. What's the cost of this tool? Is the tool free? Subversion, CVS, Mercurial, Git, they're all free. Um, Does it cost per user or is there a cost for floating slash concurrent users. So how many people are actually using the tool at any given time? Those tend to be models that are for something like ClearCase or Perforce or any other paid for service. They'll usually have one of those types of models. And you need to make sure that you look at that based on your company. And, and you know, are you going to put the company into a financial hardship by implementing this tool? If so, you may want to look at a free tool. Um, are you afraid of the free tool because you just don't have any experience with it? Well, then maybe you want to go with the purchased one. It's, it's something that's part of your decision process that you need to look at. The next thing you want to look at is what are the operating system requirements for the tool? Is there enough functionality available to all of the OS platforms in your company or does it not? Is it not consistent? Because That's the next question. Is the functionality consistent across all platforms? If you're a Windows shop or or a split shop where you have half Windows, half Linux, then choosing something that doesn't support Linux doesn't help you or choosing something that doesn't really support Windows doesn't help you. So you need to do that. You need to make sure there's at least enough functionality to get your jobs done on all of that. You may have to do some management on one OS platform or another. Um, either by command line or by a specific GUI. But for the basics, can you check code in? Can you check it out? Can you revert? Can you do the basics of, of revision control with uh, with the, the tool on all the operating systems? Or can you only check the stuff in? I've seen one system that only does that for Linux, which is kind of funny. How does it integrate with the other tools in your environment? So on my checklist of things, does this integrate with, um, in, in this particular, particular case, I'm referring to stuff like IDEs. So does it, in if you're a Java shop and you use Eclipse, does it integrate with Eclipse? If you're a Python shop, does it integrate with PyCharm or it, does it integrate with NetBeans or does it integrate with whatever you're using for IDEs? Um, if you're on, you know, doing PowerShell scripting, does it integrate with PowerGUI? Believe it or not, several systems do. Most systems do actually. Um, what types of, of systems, you know, make sure that it's it's a checkbox item box item. You can normally handle it by just going outside of the IDE to do it. Generally there's some big advantage, like it's a lot easier to do if it's integrated within the tool that you're developing your code in. The next one continuing kinda of on that compatibility uh trend is Is the is there compatibility with other tools in your environment? In this case, I mean the tools that I'm going to talk about in the next one, like your automated build tools, your deployment tools, um, your continuous integration and deployment systems. Um, Testing suites sometimes want to check stuff in to a location so that they can check in their results for each change. So is it compatible with that? These are all things that you're going to want to look at. And the last thing that you want to think on, and I've kind of maybe beat this to a dead horse. I'm sorry if you feel that way, but it's really important. How large a learning curve is the entire team going to need? Remember, it's not the entire organization. Your business people don't need to know how to use the revision control system unless they have to check in documents. Um, and if they do, then that's something you need to think about. For the most part, it's usually IT people. And how big a learning curve are they going to have? You know, if they're used to one system and you're just asking them to switch to another, may not be a big deal. If they're like I have been in some operations environments where nobody's ever used a revision control system, the learning curve's a little bit larger, and you may want to look at how hard it is to onboard somebody into this new environment. So how many different tools in this class should you choose? Normally, I'm going to say you should choose a single standard and you should stick with it. This doesn't always work, though. Most notably, the split comes between the issue becomes between companies where there is a split environment between windows and Linux development. So you have both a little mix of both or 50, 50 or whatever, some, some mix of both. That's where you may end up with two different tools. One that is windows specific. One that is Linux specific, but it's not to say the tools haven't the tool manufacturers haven't figured that out. Microsoft, for instance, has figured out that with team foundation servers, um, you can work great normally with a normal out-of-the-box implementation for .NET developers. But it kind of leaves Linux developers left holding the bag. They really have a less than operable set of tools. They can do it. It is possible, but it's not easy. Microsoft's not stupid, though, and neither are other tool providers. Most of them have recognized that this is an issue, and they've implemented some way to use different tools on the back end and a single management interface. In Microsoft's case, TFS supports Git, as an example, and that gives you the ability to control the Git repositories in the TFS interface that you're used to, while at the same time... Letting the Git users on the Linux systems use those systems directly, just as a Git repository, and they don't have to ever go into the GUI. Um, They just can just push their code straight to it. Uh, That may work better too for some of your .NET developers. They may want to use Git as the backend, um, and they may want to use Git because of some other reason. But ultimately, and when it all comes down to it, remember going beyond two just gets exponentially more expensive and harder to support, and it's doable. But it's not something you want to do if you have a choice. The next question that I get asked a lot is who should own this tool? And the reality is everybody in IT owns the repository tools. Maybe not the each individual repository, but they own the repository tools. And ownership in this respect is different than management. Owners are vested in, in have a vested interest in the overall health of the system that they use. So in this case, both developers, testers, and operations teams can all be affected by the choices that are made in the processes that are used to do things like upgrades and maintenance. So everybody needs to be represented when you're making these decisions, whether it's picking the tool, how to maintain the tool, how to do backups of the tool, all that stuff. Everybody needs to understand how that process works and when it works and when it'll be done. Should you only keep code in your repositories? Well, because repositories don't have to be limited to code, they can make it easy to create simple workflows for procedures based on them. Often it makes a lot of sense to keep even the requirements documents in a repository so that everybody can see what the history was and how we got to to the decision points and the changes that we're making. This also works well with doing infrastructure changes. So where you want to change a standard way that you're going to set up a web server or an application server or configure DNS. Um, all of those things being kept inside of a repository makes everything easier for everybody. The whole team can then go in and look at the repository and see what changed. What specifically did you change about how you're building the web server or something else that may be affecting how somebody else, somebody's application working or something else is working. And that just about wraps it up. But I want to remind you, remember, the tool you choose is less important than that you use one. Discussions about these tools often come with a huge amount of passion. That's why I'm not bringing any of them up specifically except for the ones I used as examples. But, you know, I'm not telling you which one to choose or which one to even go look at first. Take the time to talk this through and talk through all of the options with everyone that you can before you make a final decision. If you're in a larger organization, I understand that this can be extremely difficult, so don't try to do it with everybody. Pick a small team, preferably the people that are the most passionate about this class of tool, the people that are diehard Git fans, or they're super passionate ProForce fans, or they love clear case. Yeah, I can't even say that with a straight face. Anyways. Any of these people that just love these tools, let them be a part of the decision-making process because if everybody talks about the tools and they all stand up and they defend their tools and they're happy with the choice that you come to at the end, or maybe they're not happy with it, but they at least understand it and agree that it's the right choice, they're going to be able to, they're going to be empowered to, and you're going to have them wanting to go out and advocate for this tool. And they're going to advocate to the larger group of people. Trust me, I've seen it happen. And it's cool when it does. So that does it for this week. Hopefully, um, you got something out of that. Again, sorry, I didn't pick a tool this time, but kind of felt it was important. Give me your feedback of what you think of what I had to say and what you think uh, the best revision control tool is. You can do that at feedback at devopsmastery.com. You can definitely scream at me on Twitter at twitter.com slash devopsmaster. And, or if you prefer, you can ding me and and comment at me on the Google plus page. It's plus.google.com slash plus devops mastery page. And everybody have a great week and hopefully Jason will be back soon. So the shows will be funnier. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the devops mastery podcast. We really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to listen to what we have to say about devops. All of the content in this podcast is copyrighted by Brian Wagner, his co-hosts and guests, and of course DevOpsMastery.com. The music that you're hearing right now and we heard in the intro is copyrighted by Daryl Allen. And again, we look forward to hearing from you, so don't forget to send us some feedback at feedback at DevOpsMastery.com. Have a nice week, everybody.